right up right now.
Well, with the resounding thump of uh, drummer Elvin Jones, we like to introduce another edition of The Jazz Show on CITR FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And, of course, we have a whole bevy of great musicians to play for you this evening until uh, sometime after midnight. And our jazz feature, of course, is uh, what is going to begin the show this evening. My name's Gavin Walker, and we're here every Monday night with some of the very best in jazz music. And tonight we present, undoubtedly, a genius. Yes, um, he is, uh, he's been controversial. Um, he's been known to be a little bit temperamental at times. Um, <laughs> he doesn't like people coughing uh, during his performances, and sometimes he's actually stopped and lectured people, and he certainly doesn't like you taking pictures uh, at his performances with flash bulbs and all the stuff that's on the uh, modern cameras. So I guess you know who I'm, I'm talking about, of course, is, is one of the great geniuses of jazz and improvised music. And, uh, of course, uh, he plays uh, what we know as classical music as well. And uh, he's just um, uh, an incredible musician. There is absolutely no doubt about his abilities and what what he's done in music and his stature. Now I'm talking about Keith Jarrett. Keith Jarrett was uh, is a tremendous musician. He's in his 70th year now. He um, was born in 1945, and Jarrett, uh, um, of course, has has worked with so many people. Do you know that he was an art? He was in Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers in the 60s. Yes, Keith Jarrett was a jazz messenger. Then, of course, he he worked with the legendary Charles Lloyd in that uh, incredible quartet during the. Well, I guess what a lot of people thought were the dark ages of jazz in the in the uh, mid '60s, where rock and roll and and um, rock music seemed to completely take over, and jazz clubs were closing all over the country, and people that formerly had listened to jazz were now listening to bands like the Cream and the Jefferson Airplane and all that kind of stuff. Charles Lloyd was one of the jazz musicians who survived that era and played in a lot of those venues. And Keith Jarrett was his pianist at the time. And, of course, after that, uh, Jarrett went on to work with Miles Davis. And, of course, after that, went went into his um, own music with his own bands, his own groups, and uh, had, had uh, of course, uh, the most famous and long-lasting group has been the Standards Trio, with uh, bassist Gary Peacock and drummer Jack DeJanette. Now that, as far as I know, is no more. Um, Peacock has retired from music, and I don't think uh, Jarrett can replace him. Uh, but I think Keith will be uh, continuing with his career, despite the fact that he is, uh, he's now reached 70 years old. In today's, uh, where today's age is, 70 years old is really not that old. There are a tremendous amount of productive people out there, artists especially, 
uh, in their 70s that are uh, refreshing themselves, doing all kinds of great things. And I expect uh, Jarrett to be the same way. One of the things that Keith Jarrett did was solo concerts. These have been somehow controversial as well. People have said, well, they're just kind of self-indulgent. Well, that's what solo concerts are. Um, Keith sits at the piano and uh, improvises for, for uh, two hours or so um, and, and delivers uh, uh, some incredible music. Um, basically, these solo concerts were part of his artistic output, um, of course, he worked with bands and all that kind of stuff, but solo concert is what we're interested in this evening. And one of the most famous of all solo concerts was his Cologne concert. It really wasn't even meant to be recorded, but somehow it did get recorded on inferior equipment. But the music was so profound that they decided um, Keith Jarrett has always recorded for ECM and, and uh, ECM records have got pristine sound. And, of course, um, the sound quality was beneath ECM standards, but uh, Jarrett insisted that this thing be put out because he was inspired that night. And the Cologne concert became one of, um, really, a Keith Jarrett classic, uh, a hit. It sold more, I think, than uh, any other recordings by Keith Jarrett. And so many people, uh, even many, many non-jazz people, uh, had, had, have the Cologne concert in their collection. The Cologne concert is not what we're going to hear. This is my favorite of all his solo concerts. This music, to me, captures what I expect from Keith Jarrett. This was a very special evening, and it took place in 1973 in Bremen in Germany, July 12th, a hot summer night in 1973. And somehow the muse was there. And I have listened to this recording since it was first issued, and I have always, I have always been moved by the music on here. And uh, if anyone asks me my favorite Keith Jarrett solo concert, I have no hesitation whatsoever to mention it's the concert that took place at Bremen, July 12, 1973. To prepare for these solo concerts, of course, Jarrett um, goes into a very highly meditative space and sits down at the piano with a mind completely clear, tabula rasa, in other words, clean slate in English, and nothing preconceived, and he simply begins to play and lets his muse take over, and he becomes a conduit for that music. And, of course, sometimes... These things don't always work. This concert, it did work. And this is why, for me, personally, this is one of Keith Jarrett's high points. An interesting little sidelight to this, 
the music on here is beautifully recorded. And as we all know, many, many people complain about the noises that Keith Jarrett makes when he plays. Well, he can't help that. He really can't. That just happens. He's in a, he's in a, a, a state, and um, that's something that just, it's not calculated. It just is there. Unfortunately, for many people, it can be a terrible distraction because his voice is awful, and sometimes he, it, it sounds like he's screeching. He stomps his feet. He gets up at the piano sometimes and, 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 and stamps his feet like uh, a, a little kid who's mad, but he's, he's actually just uh, reacting to the pulse of the music, all this kind of stuff. It isn't showbiz. That's just the way Jarrett is. Uh, he's, he's an artist through and through. But all of these things can be very distracting. Um, on records, you'll hear the you'll hear that kind of noise, and and very often it takes away from the pleasure of listening to Keith Jarrett. I can assure you, on this recording, there is none of that. For some reason, there is none of that kind of noise. There's no foot stomping, um, no caterwauling, no all this kind of stuff. Uh, I know somebody that refers to uh, his voice as sounding like The Exorcist. Well. Uh, I guess that can be, uh, that's a good description of it, really. But uh, there is none of that on these recordings. And the the movements are so beautiful, and he just gets in from, goes from one mood to another. At the end of the concert, the formal part of the concert, the audience uh, for this performance is so stunned by the profundity of the music that they heard that you can hear the... There's a long period of silence before the applause begin. And that shows, to me, when people are really touched by what has happened. And then there's a, there is a pause, the applause happens, and Jarrett proceeds to play a beautifully exciting, fun, and very uplifting encore. And that ends the concert. So without further ado, we're going to take you to Bremen in Germany, to this fabulous concert hall. And we're going to listen to Keith Jarrett. And basically, that's all I have to say. Please listen to Keith Jarrett. And as I said before, this is my choice for what I consider the finest Keith Jarrett solo performance, July 12th, 1973.
And that was our jazz feature this evening, a solo piano excursion by Keith Jarrett, totally improvised, and uh, hope that you enjoyed that uh, lengthy jazz feature. Of all the solo piano performances that Keith made, this is my all-time favorite. Recorded in Bremen, in Germany, at this uh, small concert hall, July 12th, 1973. And uh, the muse was certainly with Mr. Jarrett that evening. And uh, one of the blessings of this was um, the beautiful recording quality, uh, of course, by ECM Records, but also the fact that um, you didn't hear a lot of the vocal cries and foot stomping and stuff that... uh, Keith Jarrett often does, and um, which can annoy a lot of people. I don't mind it at all, but some people are just get totally annoyed by it and say uh, it just detracts from his uh, performance. But uh, none of that was evident on this particular evening. And um, as I know that the his muse was with him, and uh, this was a, a tremendous um, totally improvised effort by um, Mr. Jarrett, and I hope that you enjoyed the music. So a very special jazz feature this evening, solo concert by the one and only genius of the piano, or one of the great geniuses of the piano, Keith Jarrett. All right. You are listening to CITR FM 101.9. My name's Gavin Walker. This is The Jazz Show. And we broadcast, of course, from the campus of the University of British Columbia. And we are 101.9 on your FM dial or on your computer, www.citr.ca. And we'll be back in a very few moments with some music for you. Here's a few announcements. Salam. Ruzetun bekhair. My name is Sahan, the president of UBC Persian Club. And this is Yasaman, the VP admin. UBC Persian Club is a non-profit student organization with the goal of empowering the Iranian community at UBC by acting as a social hub for Iranian students, bringing together diverse members of the community who have a common interest in Iranian culture and nurturing and representing the Iranian community in Vancouver. We have monthly member-exclusive events, Pelan, the screen documentary movies, and short films by Iranian directors with English subtitles. Music gatherings, a series of casual music gatherings at which students can play different types of instruments, and sports events and game nights. Our regular events are member exclusive and you will receive 25% discount on our annual events. You can visit us at ubcpc.com or email us through info at ubcpc.com. Or you can follow us on Facebook, Instagram or Twitter. Yeah, we got some uh, some weather for you. Actually, you know, 
lot of us have been really waiting for summer. We had some heat wave for a while, um, but the weather has been kind of uh, okay, but uh, a little bit iffy, as uh, as you can well imagine. And um, things are actually going to look good uh, toward the end of the week. But tonight is cloudy with a 40% of uh, chance of shower in the evening, maybe even a thunder shower with a low of 16. And then tomorrow, showers ending later uh, in the day, and then we're going to get a 30% chance of a shower off and on type thing uh, later on tomorrow with a low of 16 and a high of 19. Then Wednesday is a little better, cloudy with only a 30% chance of a shower with a low of 15, high of 22. Thursday looks good. Sunny with a low of 15 and a high of 23. Friday is going to be very nice with a low of 16 and a high of 23. And Saturday and Sunday, one word, sunny with a low of 14 and highs between 23 and 25. So the weekend looks very, very good. And of course, our uh, summer, which has been kind of hesitant to kick in, I think will kick in. Uh, later on this week. So uh, wait for it. (laughs) Here it comes. All right. Um, We'll be back uh, right after this message. UBC's Museum of Anthropology displays long-term and visiting exhibits of indigenous art from around the world, and guided tours are free. Our permanent collection features one of the world's finest exhibits of Northwest Coast First Nations art. Our collection includes 36,000 ethnographic pieces, 535,000 archaeological pieces, and over 600 pieces in the Kroner Ceramics Gallery. There's a lot to take in. Luckily at the Museum of Anthropology, final exams are always take home. If you've never checked out this world-class facility, now's your chance. The Museum of Anthropology is located right on campus and free for all UBC students and faculty. Come enjoy our collection and resources. You're listening to CITR 101.9, broadcasting from UBC's Point Grey campus, located on the traditional, unceded, Coast Salish territory of the Hunkamenem-speaking Musqueam people. A couple of weeks ago, we featured the music. As a matter of fact, on the 4th of July, we featured the music of Gary McFarland, and we played his very famous um, America the Beautiful suite. And I thought we'd uh, play a couple of Gary McFarlane compositions that he did for a big band album with uh, trombonist J.J. Johnson. And uh, J.J. put together this uh, incredible band with all sorts of jazz stars uh, within the band. Uh, I'm not going to run down all the names of everybody, but uh, you're going to hear, of course, Mr. Johnson, one of the masters, pioneers of modern jazz on the trombone. It's his big band, and uh, Gary McFarland contributed two of his uh, extremely unique arrangements and compositions. And um, I thought we'd give you a further extended view of um, two wonderful Gary McFarland compositions. 
and this very large band. As I said, it's full of jazz stars. I'll tell you in the rhythm section, Hank Jones at the piano, Bob Cranshaw on bass, and Grady Tate on drums. We're going to hear, first of all, um, from Gary McFarland, uh, his composition called Winter's Waif. And the second tune is my favorite track on the whole album, and it's called The Train Samba. And uh, Mr. McFarland is conducting the orchestra. Of course, these are his tunes. And um, J.J. Johnson, of course, is the chief soloist on these pieces. And if there's any other guys, uh, soloists, I'll mention them. But here, then, is the big J.J. Johnson band. Thank you. 
Thank <laughs> you. 
We heard two pieces by the big band put together by trombone great J.J. Johnson. And of course, he was the chief soloist on uh, both of these uh, Gary McFarlane compositions and uh, it exhibited uh, the unique uh, way that Gary voiced the horns and so on and so forth. And of course, he loved the, the, um, the bossa nova feel. So both of these tunes kind of reflected that. And there were certain similarities between the two tunes, of course. Uh, very distinctive writing by Gary McFarland. And he conducted the orchestra as well. And um, the people in the rhythm section, Hank Jones at the piano, Bob Cranshaw on bass, and Grady Tate, uh, one of the finest drummers on the planet. And, of course, uh, one of the pioneers of modern jazz. And what a sound on the, on the trombone. J.J. Johnson. Uh, the two tunes, uh, the first one was entitled Winter's Waif, and the second tune was entitled Train Samba. And uh, that's from a um, RCA Victor album that came out many years ago called simply J.J. Exclamation Point. We're going to turn now to one of my favorite editions of our Blakey's Jazz Messengers. And, of course, this edition kind of got lost in the shuffle because um, a lot of people don't uh, pass this one by. It was actually the officially the second edition of the Jazz Messengers. The first, the original edition broke up uh, because everyone you know, went out and formed their own bands and left. And Art Blakey had to build the band up from the drums on up. And he picked some fine young musicians who were on the New York scene in the mid-50s. And I'm talking about one of the great voices of the alto saxophone. And uh, he was a definite favorite of mine back in uh, the, um, when this was recorded. And he was a great influence on me to take up the alto saxophone. And I'm talking about Jackie McLean. Jackie McLean on alto and... From Cleveland, Ohio, a wonderful trumpet player, always kind of underrated, but he sure could play, Bill Hardman on trumpet. And on piano from Philadelphia, Sam Dockery. And also from Philadelphia, a wonderful bass player by the name of Spanky DeBrest. And, of course, Art Blakey on drums. And we're going to hear three tunes by this uh, stellar band. As Jackie McLean said to me, he said, you know, we were rough around the edges in terms of a band, you know, precise playing and all that kind of stuff. But he said, we sure had a lot of fun. And it was, uh, and he considered Art Blakey one of the greatest band leaders of all. And uh, this band just swings and just, just plays so great. We're going to hear three tunes uh, from this album. All these were recorded at uh, Columbia Records at their famous 30th Street studio in New York City in December of 1956. We're going to hear the band's um, head arrangement of the great standard tune, Stella by Starlight. And it's one of my favorite versions of that tune. And then we're going to hear a Gigi Grice original entitled Nika's Tempo. And of course, Nika um, was the great jazz baroness, and um, lots of musicians wrote music for her, and this is uh, one of them, Nika's Tempo. And the final tune is by pianist Mel Waldron. This is a great composition called Dee's Dilemma. So here then, 
is this wonderful edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers, and one of my favorite editions of The Messengers.
I think this is one of the great editions of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers, even though it was overlooked by the critics, and um, they were pretty uh, 
pretty salty with this, uh, this particular edition, which is known as the second Jazz Messengers. As I mentioned before, the original Jazz Messengers broke up um, because uh, everybody went out and formed their own band, and Art Blakey had to build the band right from himself on up. And uh, he went through a few musicians, but finally landed on these gentlemen, and they became uh, a permanent edition of the Jazz Messengers and became the second edition of Art Blakey's Jazz Messengers. Bill Hardman from Cleveland, Ohio, on trumpet, and uh, always one of the um, uh, finer, underrated trumpet players. Uh, he lived a, a pretty good long life and recorded fairly prolifically. And um, here he is, here he was in uh, very early uh, form. Um, he had just arrived in New York a few months before. And on alto saxophone, of course, a gentleman who became one of the great masters of the alto saxophone. And again, in the early part of his career with this band, the great Jackie McLean. And Jackie um, inspired me because that was the, for me, the real definitive sound of the alto saxophone was the way Jackie sounded uh, in these recordings. Sam Dockery on piano, Spanky DeBrest on bass, great name. Uh, his name was James DeBrest, but that was never used. He became uh, Spanky and a wonderful uh, bass player. You had to be strong to play with Art Blakey and, of course, the great Mr. Blakey on drums. Recorded uh, December 1956 for Columbia Records at their famous uh, Columbia 30th Street Studios in New York City. We heard three tunes um, by this band, beginning with the standard tune, Stella by Starlight, and this was their sort of um, the band's arrangement of that tune. Then we moved into a Gigi Grice original dedicated to the great jazz baroness, Nika Rothschild, and it was called Nika's Tempo. And the final tune we heard was written by pianist Mel Waldron, and the tune was entitled D's Dilemma. Art Blakey and his jazz messengers, Jackie McLean, Bill Hardman, and company. You are listening to The Jazz Show on CITR-FM 101.9 or on your computer, www.citr.ca. My name's Gavin Walker, and we have um, more music for you. I'd just like to mention a couple of really uh, prominent websites uh, to uh, check out. One of them, of course, is the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society. The Jazz Festival is over, yes, but uh, you can access uh, the schedule at Frankie's, which is, um, of course, one of Vancouver's leading jazz clubs. And um, the website of the Coastal Jazz and Blues Society has all that stuff on there and up-and-coming productions that uh, they're going to be involved with and produced um, during um, off-season because uh, the jazz festival folks do not sleep. There you go. And so you can get on their website at coastaljazz.ca. That's coastaljazz.ca. And, of course, the website of vancouverjazz.com, uh, which is a website put together by my good friend Brian Nation. 
And that's a very comprehensive website as well. So uh, do check out both of those, coastaljazz.ca and vancouverjazz.com. And, of course, um, I haven't mentioned his name for a little while, and I should uh, do that. And that's my good friend Ken Speller. Ken Speller is a music teacher, and he teaches uh, right in your home. He has a business called Music at Home, and he'll come to your home and teach you how to play the saxophone, the flute, and the clarinet. And he is also a master repairman, and um, he repairs musical instruments like the ones I mentioned uh, because they are constantly in need of tweaking or overhauling or whatever so that you can sound at your best. And, of course, he services professionals, uh, amateurs, students, and beginners and uh, will repair your instrument, put it in shape, um, And, of course, as I mentioned before, he's a very, very fine music teacher as well. Ken Speller is his name. Uh, He can be reached at 778-800-1933. 778-800-1933. That is his phone number. And he can also be reached via email, which is kspeller, kspeller, K-S-P-E-L-L-E-R underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. K-Speller underscore 14 at yahoo.ca. Good man to know. We'll be right back with some music, um, well, by a couple of great saxophone players. We'll tell you who they are in a moment. Would you like to get updates on your smartphone in an emergency, even if a cell tower is down? It is possible if the FM chip is activated in your phone. Visit freeradioonmyphone.ca to see how you can get involved by contacting your carrier and signing our petition. Adults 19 and older can learn to cook or bake with blueberries in a short one-day class at the Richmond Nature Park this summer. Learn about blueberries' numerous health benefits from dietitian Jessica Wang and join a nature walk to search for and learn about bog blueberries. All supplies are provided. Register online at richmond.ca slash register or call the Nature House at 604-718-6188. Baking with blueberries takes place July 16th. Cooking with blueberries July 23rd, both from 9.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. at the Richmond Nature Park. Yeah, blueberries are good for you, you know. They uh, they have all kinds of uh, good stuff to put in... uh, in your belly. All right. Here is um, the wonderful George Adams, the late, great George Adams. He's only 50 when he passed away. And um, he was from basically uh, an R&B background, but worked and joined one of the last great bands that Charles Mingus put together. And uh, George was one of the major voices in that band. And, of course, he's an incredibly expressive tenor saxophonist. Here's George with Don Pullen at the piano, uh, David Williams on bass, and the great Danny Richmond on drums, and a piece of music written by George Adams. And he'll tell you what the title is right now. Cry from the Mountain. Thank you. 
We just heard two of the greatest tenor saxophonists, Gene Ammons and Sonny Stitt. And Gene, of course, in that combination, always soloed first. He took the first solo. Sonny Stitt followed, and they were accompanied by Brother Jack Macduff on the Hammond organ and Charlie Persip on drums. And it's from an album called Soul Summit. (laughs) Soul Summit? Soul Summit. And that uh, piece of music was written by Gene Ammons called Tubby. And, uh, yeah, it's a great, fascinating kind of moving and shaking kind of piece of music. And before that, we heard George Adams, the great George Adams on tenor saxophone, doing his composition called Cry from the Mountain. And we heard George with Don Pullen on piano, David Williams on bass, and the great Danny Richmond on drums. We're going to continue with Miles Davis. This is a rare take um, of a piece of music. Now, there's a famous version of this tune, which, which turned out to be the title track um, of one of Davis's uh, Columbia albums, Someday My Prince Will Come. But this is an alternate version of the tune, and we hear Miles actually uh, giving bassist Paul Chambers some um, direction on here on what to do. Um, and they take the tune in, and this is the Miles Quintet of the time with, of course, Miles on trumpet, Hank Mobley on tenor saxophone, Winton Kelly on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Jimmy Cobb on drums. This is from 1961, and this is uh, an alternate version of Someday My Prince Will Come.
Yeah, that was an alternate, a rare version of uh, the composition call, Someday My Prince Will Come, played by the Miles Davis Quintet, as they sounded in 1961, with Miles, of course, on trumpet, Hank Mobley on tenor saxophone, Wynton Kelly on piano, Paul Chambers on bass, and Jimmy Cobb on drums. And we heard a little bit of um, Miles giving uh, bassist Paul Chambers uh, a little bit of direction at the beginning of that piece, sort of a you are there idea. Anyway, Miles Davis, yes. Equally legendary is bassist Charles Mingus. This is from a broadcast recording, which took place uh, from Birdland in New York City, October 19, 1962, with a version of Charles Mingus's Jazz Workshop. We're going to hear two pieces of music written by Mingus. The people in the band, Charles Mingus, of course, on bass, Danny Richmond on drums, and Jackie Byard on piano, and the horns, Edward Armour on trumpet, one of the better trumpet players around New York at the time, never got really famous, but excellent player, Charles McPherson, my good friend, on alto saxophone. He takes the lead on the first tune. And um, Pepper Adams will be appearing here on the second tune on baritone saxophone, one of the great masters of that instrument. And Don Butterfield on tuba. So this um, edition of the Jazz Workshop is going to play a tune by Mingus entitled My Search, which is based on the standard tune, I Can't Get Started With You, one of Mingus's favorites. And the tune number two is called Monk, Funk, or Vice Versa. Here then, live from Birdland, Charles Mingus and the Jazz Workshop. Thank you. 
remind you that you are listening to our Monday night, our Friday night, Saturday morning edition of the 76 Show. Whenever looking for the best music, always keep tuned to the swinging spot on your dial. 1280 Of course, I mentioned these were broadcast recordings. That was the voice of uh, the famous Symphony Sid um, telling the audience what was going on. And uh, we heard two pieces um, from these um, not terribly high-fidelity broadcast recordings, but uh, at least we have them. October 19th, 1962, the Charles Mingus Jazz Workshop, as they sounded on that particular evening, with Charles Mingus on bass, Edward Armour on trumpet, Don Butterfield on tuba, uh, Charles McPherson on alto saxophone, Pepper Adams on baritone saxophone, Jackie Byard on piano, and Danny Richmond on drums. And the first piece of music we heard featuring Charles McPherson's alto saxophone uh, was entitled My Search, and um, by Charles Mingus, of course. And the second tune was a Mingus composition called Monk, Funk, or Vice Versa. And that featured uh, the rest of the guys in the band. All right. Two pieces, very rare recordings, broadcast recordings by the Charles Mingus Jazz Workshop. We're going to turn things over to a concert from a famous Count Basie album with the Basie Big Band, Breakfast Dance and Barbecue. All right, that's the um, uh, where this was recorded at the uh, Americana Hotel in Miami, May the 31st, 1959. And it uh, featured the, the great Basie band with uh, Marshall Royal leading on alto saxophone, Frank West, um, Frank Foster, the two Franks on tenor saxophones, Billy Mitchell on the third tenor saxophone, Charlie Folks on Barry. Um, great trumpet section. Thad Jones, Joe Newman, Wendell Cully, and Snooky Young, four trumpet players. Three trombonists, Al Gray, Henry Coker, and Benny Powell. Uh, of course, Count Basie at the piano, Freddie Green, his sidekick on guitar, Eddie Jones on bass, and the great Sonny Payne on drums. We're going to open with a piece of music from this uh, breakfast dance and barbecue. This one's called The Deacon, and then we'll carry on with a few more.
Yeah, we heard a bunch of selections from um, a great Count Basie album called The Breakfast Dance and Barbecue. The band was flown in from uh, New York City to do this one-nighter in Miami, and they arrived at this ballroom at 2 o'clock in the morning. The place was jam-packed with people and uh, a big party going on. <laughs> it was pretty amazing. Back in those days, you know, people stayed up just to have a good time. Nobody went to bed at, uh, you know, 11 o'clock or anything. So um, the band uh, set up and uh, started to play, and, of course, um, the, the whole event was recorded. And so we heard a whole bunch of selections from here. We opened with um, a tune written by trumpeter Thad Jones, and featured, um, he was featured on there. And, of course, all the piano solos were by Count Basie, naturally, the leader of the band, the boss. And um, that first tune by Thad Jones featuring him was called The Deacon. And then we heard a little bit of Tom Foolery by the band and uh, so on and so forth. And it uh, segued into uh, Neil Hefty's great tune called Cute, which featured Frank West on flute and Sonny Payne on drums. And uh, then we went to um, two tunes written by Neil Hefty. And uh, the first one was called Cherry Point. And, of course, it featured uh, Mr. Basie himself at the piano. And the second tune was uh, one that uh, the Basie band had played right up to the very end. A tune called Splanky. And that featured, of course, uh, the boss again at the piano and Frank West on tenor saxophone.
And of course, in the rhythm section, Basie on piano, Freddie Green, his sidekick on guitar, Eddie Jones on bass, and the great Sonny Payne on drums. All right, Count Basie live. We're just about rolling home, and I'd like to take you home with this one more piece by Miles Davis. It's a very famous piece of music from Miles Davis's album, Porgy and Bess. This is our wish, our weather wish. And um, the tune, of course, is this very famous version of George Gershwin's Summertime. Miles Davis and the Gil Evans Orchestra.
ending another edition of The Jazz Show. Miles Davis, of course, and the Gil Evans Orchestra, Summertime, from Miles' famous album, Porgy and Bess. We'd like to thank you very much for being out there on behalf of myself, Gavin Walker, and The Jazz Show on CITR. And we'd like to tell you that our jazz feature next week is one of the great voices of the alto saxophone, the great Art Pepper. And uh, we're going to be featuring one of his finest albums um, by Mr. Pepper. And this one has master drummer Elvin Jones on it. This is an album called The Trip. And it's a genuine classic, Art Pepper. And uh, we'll hear that album in its entirety next week on the jazz feature, one one of the great voices of the alto saxophone. Once again, thanks very much for being out there. CITR FM 101.9 or on the web, www.citr.ca. Gavin Walker saying... Good night, and we'll see you in seven days. Take care. Bye-bye. Ha 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 ha!